Welcome back to the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host, James Black, and this week we welcome yet another return guest in Todd Shapiro, CEO of Red Light Holland, symbol TRIP or TRIP. In this week's conversation, we're actually going to talk about why maybe that stock symbol isn't quite as representative of the company as it once was or was meant to be. And for that reason, Todd came on and we talked a bit about, well, not necessarily a pivot with the company, but the things they're doing to diversify within the realm of mushrooms. Now, this is a company that originally had been talking its story in the world of psychotropic or hallucinogenic truffles, specifically in the realm of microdosing. Now, the company has expanded its business to the world of exotic mushrooms. And you'll explain in this podcast exactly what that means, where you can actually get these products, and what this is all working towards as far as his business, his vision, and his legacy are concerned. So, without further ado, my conversation with Todd Shapiro from Red Light Hall. All right. Thanks again for watching. This is the CSE's Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host, James Black. And today I am thrilled to be joined by Todd Shapiro, CEO of Red Light Holland, listed on the CSE under the symbol TRIP. That's trip. Todd, how are you doing today? Yeah, well, thank you, James. I uh, appreciate being here. I appreciate being on the CSE. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe we'll talk a bit more about that. But um, maybe for those who aren't acquainted with you and your company, just give us uh, the Coles notes on what Trip is up to and uh, the mission you guys are on. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've been listed on the CSE for close to three years, and we started off as a company that went into the magic truffle business in the Netherlands. And that is um, similar to a magic mushroom. Uh, which means there's psilocybin content within the truffles. And we produced a product called iMicrodose, which would be available through consumer packaged goods and responsible use messaging, including telecounseling support and, uh, you know, ability to learn with information and ed- education the way it's never been done in the Netherlands before. And we've expanded a great deal from there. Um, people who sort of listen to me doing these kind of roadshow things, they'll hear that uh, our company has expanded tremendously since it has in the day. And we're much more of a mushroom company now. Like we're like a big mushroom company. Uh, we own a farm in Halifax, which is called Happy Caps, where we grow lion's mane, shiitake and oyster mushrooms. We've distributed them now to uh, about 90 different retailers, including Loblaws, Supercenters, Canadian Tire Stores. And we're looking for more expansion there. Uh, as well, we own a farm in uh, New Brunswick called AEM Farms. We're the majority owner in that. And us and our partners were growing shiitake mushrooms that get distributed to many different also Loblaws type of stores and restaurants and things. So we're doing a lot, including building a tech device, which I should have brought here for the podcast because I have one in uh, you know the next room available. But yeah, please shoot away. I don't want to get you know too into right off the pitch. But things are going very well, including us being well capitalized at the moment. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's all great detail. And um, I actually just, I, there's some definitions and stuff I want to go through. So when you say you're growing shiitake and whatnot, are those called, are those meant to be called functional mushrooms? Is that what a functional mushroom is? Yeah. yeah you know, it's interesting, right? There, there, it's a good question. People would say functional mushrooms may be um, the products you get with them, like the dry powder, the capsules. Uh, and, and then, you know, we like to call them just exotic mushrooms. Uh, exotic mushrooms are all the new craze right now. In Europe, we read a statistic, and again, it's a little conjectural, but um, that, that 25% of all mushrooms sold in Europe are these exotics, like the lion's manes, the shiitakes, et cetera, uh, the rishis, you know, you name it. When it comes to Canada, we're talking about 1% of all mushroom sales are within this big growth category. So us as a company, you know, we thought 
very recently, well, not by recently, I guess, you know, within the last 18 months, 19 months anyway, that let's focus on mushroom growth, uh, growth while we focus on the psilocybin mushroom growth as well. Right. Now, is that in part because the growth trajectory for the psilocybin business is a little more patchy than what you might be able to find with, I hate to say it again, the, the exotic or functional mushrooms where you can sell those in Canadian Tire, but a psilocybin mushroom uh, product or truffle product needs to be sold through um, one of your smart uh, smart stores, right? In the Netherlands, where it's actually kind of legal. And uh, maybe just talk us through what the challenges are on that end, but also the opportunity of the psilocybin mushrooms and uh, you know where you see the path to market there. Yeah, without a doubt. When we went public, I think we all assumed that more catalysts would be coming within the sector. Uh, and there's really three different types of psychedelic companies. There's the biopharma, you know, you know, uh, drug discovery companies. There's the therapeutic uh, facilitator model when it comes to therapy and, and, you know, ketamine clinics, et cetera. And then there's a few companies and us being, we think the prominent one when it comes to being listed and publicly traded and, you know, doing audits and legal opinions, et cetera, uh, that really believes in freeing the magic, believes in giving every adult the right to try it. Again, it's got to be done responsibly. It's got to be done with information. So, but, you know, our government's looking at it that way. And, you know, we were very honest as, you know, me being, you know, the CEO of the company and a director um, about two years ago, again, about the 18, 19 months ago, Mark, we sort of started to think of a pivot. Uh, originally, we thought maybe we could be aligned with cannabis. And then we thought, no, we're, we're really nothing like cannabis. Those are two very different drugs, in fact. And I don't even really like to associate psilocybin as being a drug because I consider it and I can't make medical claims, but I can tell you anecdotally how beneficial it can be for positive change. So during that pivot, James, we thought to ourselves, let's align ourselves around with mushrooms. Let's focus on near-term revenues. Let's be very protective and cautious of the cash that we were very fortunate to raise in the capital markets, give you an incredible opportunity for one liquidity for investors to, you know, if they want to make money, if they don't believe in long-term visions, that's okay. Or two, you know, access to capital. And we had the access to capital, but let's be careful with it. Let's really focus on our burn as we're growing a company. And the mushroom space was amazing for that. And, and the reason why I say that is because think about the home grow kits. We can sell these, which we're proving out, and we are doing quite well. And I look forward to our quarterly report on um, the 28th of February, or 27th, I believe we announced, actually, before market open, um, because we can show growth. And I've been open about this before. It's not material. I've, I've shown, I've talked about growth within the home grow kit business. But what that also allows for, for us to do is get consumers' information, to get some of their data around them consensually, of course. And then maybe one day, and it's a big maybe and a big if, James, if there was ever legal psilocybin products, could we then blast them homegrow psilocybin mushrooms? Because we've seen homegrow cannabis plants are legal for adults in the cannabis space. Would that be a path that the governments consider? It could be perhaps. Yeah, it demystifies it a bit when you can actually put it in your house and plant it and grow it, water it, and then consume it. And then actually have that tangible experience with the um, the fungi to, uh, you know, <laughs> tie it all back to the, the, I guess, what the core of your business is as well-being, right? And, and I want to go back to why you started this company. Maybe talk first about what you see the benefits of um, psychedelic mushrooms, at least on the microdose scale, you know, and, and the problems that you're trying to address with that type of product. Yeah, this world is a tough place. And um, I think there's a lot of distrust in big pharma right now. 
And I, I also believe that people still have huge beliefs in big pharma. And so they should. I mean, listen, facts are they're doing a lot of wonderful things for saving lives. But with that being said, people are being a little bit more natural in their consumption. And, and the, a trend is really about these natural products. Magic mushrooms, uh, magic truffles, psilocybin, um, psilocin within the, these, these different substances um, have been shown and again, I can't make the medical claims, but just go and do your research and look at anecdotal evidence have been shown to really help people with post-traumatic stress disorder, with coming to terms with terminal illness. Uh, you know, very sadly that, you know, we we'll look at the big fight that Therapsil is doing that, that we're funding right now. Uh, we're doing a matching donation campaign for $10,000 for their charter challenge with, with uh, the government of Canada for, again, for this right to try for therapeutic use. So, yes, a lot of people are just saying really positive stories about it. And I think the history for me about why, you know, I eventually left media, which I used to do in my old days, which I'm why I'm really good at this kind of stuff, by the way. No. <laughs> um, uh, you think I'd have a better backdrop right now. I'm, I'm actually in my kid's bedroom. I like there. it. I like it. Yeah. Well, I got a virtual <laughs> picture. We have a real red light radio studio being set up. I'm unfortunately not there today. But um, uh, listen, I've talked about this openly before. I'm like, I'm a very high energy guy, but I'm a very anxious guy. And, and I think that's okay. Um, you know, I've used magic truffles in the day and they helped me immensely control that anxiety. They helped me with focus and living in the moment. When I used to interview people, when I worked on Sirius XM, I spoke to a lot of artist types that were all microdosing from LA comedians, et cetera. And every single one of them said it made them enjoy their lives a lot better, which is why I got intrigued by this. And I'm also an open free spirit. So, you know, I wanted to share this message, this anecdotal message. And then listen, raise some money. I couldn't believe we did that. We got guys like Bruce Linton on board early. And, you know, even like, you know, it's amazing the names that invested in our company early on, to be honest. Um, and, and here we are, you know, we raised a bunch of money later. We're doing a bunch of different things later, but the core focus is we want to help people. And if we can prove that out over time, and if we can eventually get product to more people, um, not just in the Netherlands right now, we feel like we're doing our service. And James, like I, I, this may sound silly to people. I literally want to do our best at Red Light Hall and between our board of directors, our management team, and everyone who works from the smart shops to the farms. If we can help be a part, and the shareholders, by the way, if we can be a, a part of leaving a legacy here to, 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 you know, like if in 15 years, this is just a thing that people are doing everywhere all the time and it's legal. I mean, Red Light's a big part of that from day one. So we're quite proud. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm shocked you didn't read my prep questions because you're actually hitting on it. <laughs> but um, I want to actually ask you another definition just before we move forward um, around dosing. So is it, is it a challenge still to get reliable dosing at the microdose scale? I mean, everyone knows what a three gram of mushroom looks like because it's weight. But when you actually have to distill it and make a microdose, how do you know? How do you know you have the right dosage in that percentage of a, of a micro, macrodose uh, and the yeah. microdose state? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, so with Red Light Holland, the way we sell it in the Netherlands in, in the raw, natural, unprocessed form, it is difficult to determine exactly the dosage. Um, we sell, um, you know, with a lot of information around it. We also sell it with an app so people can track their dosage, what works best. We have a telecounselor support that can talk through what people find works for them. And, you know, the one thing, though, that we're really very proud of as well as a company is we've now got 
man, I should know this off the top of my head, but I think it's either four psilocybin import licenses from Health Canada. We have a partner in Montreal called Seacrest Laboratories. They've tested our truffles before. We're narrowing down the focus in terms of what that psilocybin content is. And the next batch, which we anticipate landing, and maybe by the time this even um, is broadcasted, it will have landed in Montreal. We were sending 3,000 grams of, of magic truffles over to Seacrest for them to, with their controlled substances dealer's license, to have package and assembly to start putting into powder form into microdose uh, capsules in order to have a more of a standardized product. And we're working on that right now. And then hopefully there's an approach that we could go to Health Canada. And I don't want to, you know, allude to something that's not happening yet. I'm not that, you know, CEO that like over promotes and, and you know, uh, whatever, you know, pro- promises the world and under delivers. But the hope of it is to, you know, maybe be a part of if, you know, the special access program of the exemption 56 is if we're finding the standardized dosage could work and if it would ever get approved from through package and assembly. So we're excited by it to try to get our COAs and, 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 you know, progress with the product. Right. You, you mentioned supporting Theracil is, is a compassionate use a sharp tip of the spear then to get into the Canadian system. I think, I think when you think of, uh, of, of, you know, individuals that are going through a hell of a lot more trauma than than myself and a lot of people I know were feel very privileged and very blessed. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't come across as exploitive, like we just want to help people. And and you know, yeah. So under compassionate grounds, if people can get access, uh, it, it is a stepping stone. With that being said, and please, you know, I don't want to take away anything from the plight of of these individuals who are going through. People do have their own unique sort of traumas and some might not be as severe, but that's why we just believe in the right to try for, for all adults with this education information. You know, people might have tried SSRIs. They might've tried therapy. They might quite frankly, not want to try those things, but have just had good experiences with illegal magic mushrooms that are everywhere, by the way, including shops on Queen street and the Danforth and in different provinces all across Canada, but they actually want to give back to the system and buy it reasonably through paying taxes and by rationally by understanding where the product comes from and it's testing and to make sure there's no fecal matter on it, et cetera. So, you know, we'd like to think that everyone again should have access, but um, at, at the beginning of this all, James, if this helps people who need it right now, and there are a lot who, who believe they do, um, we want to support them. Of course we do. No, that's phenomenal. Now let's um, just steer over to what you guys are selling at Happy Caps. Uh, just to be clear, you guys have that, again, functional mushroom or exotic mushrooms that people can grow at home. They can buy this product today at, uh, I noticed, what, over 90 retailers now, Canadian Tires, sell yeah, this uh, home grow kits. Yeah, yeah we're, we're yeah. so proud of this. Like, you know, when we first made our pivot into the mushroom industry, this was the first company we bought a majority stake in. And um, it, it, to watch the progress, you know, we, they, we found two incredible founders out of Halifax, Andrew Kobayashi and Andrew Hatfield, Kobo and Hattie. And, and they're such salt of the earth, amazing guys. And when, when we acquired the majority stake, you know, one of the things we promised them was support, support in marketing, support in our outreach from our relationships. And we have an incredible CMO that comes from Bacardi, you know, Ridley Doolittle, who's incredible, who really helps with the operations of, of Happy Cap. So yeah, like to be in 22 Canadian tires, to be in 13 super centers, to have support from production from our partners at AEM Farms now, um, who, because we were doing so much volume that we needed to support to, to get these homegrown kits into these types of stores and be able to handle the volume. It's, it's, we think it's an incredible success story, but one that we hopefully believe is just in the early stages. 
Wonderful. Um, I want to talk about media for a second. So you mentioned your background for media. Uh, for those who don't know, you were a notable radio host and uh, had many experiences on, uh, at least with Toronto and uh, satellite radio. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so you obviously have a good handle on that. And if, if it's not obvious, just by talking to you, but um, just the branding, what I've noticed is uh, on your investor call that I watched on your website, which was great. Um, you have these people who identify as being part of the red light army. And I thought that was a very strong advocacy for your brand and your company. Can you talk to me about who's a part of the red light army? What is this concept and, and why is it important to your company? Yeah. I mean, it's easy for, for me to toot my own horn a little bit, but, but like, you know, the truth is, um, you know, I'm not academia, right? I, I don't, I, I haven't run publicly traded companies before. I don't have this massive resume, but I'd like to think I've connected with people most of my life. I did it as an entertainer. I was always accessible. I would like, you know, host a million parties. I do a million things. I was, I was like a face and, and I got to know a lot of people. And again, it's easy for me to say this, but like, I never judge people. I love all people. I'm very optimistic. I, I want people to come together. I believe in community. And when it comes to, you know, this sector, who was like, we were polarizing because people didn't really get it. Like a radio show host and, you know, a comedian as a creative director and, you know, a realtor is your chairman, by the way, don't underestimate Brad Lamb. I mean, this guy's the real deal when it comes to entrepreneurship, success, investing, et cetera. Um, developments, you know, buildings with his name on them that will last for, you know, thousands of years. But, you know, we, we came out just saying the message of the right to try and that we're the people's company. Um, we wanted to represent people in general. And I think the branding helped. We made it very friendly. You know, there's a smile in it. There's a heart in it. But it's designed by Karim Rashid, a famous designer. Um, we did it, like, with these interesting colors that went against red light. Like, it's actually pink. Um, but we want it to be super inclusive. And, and I think it took time. But ultimately, we're very, like, widely held company in terms of the stock on the CAC. You know, a lot of retail investors I wouldn't say it's heavy on the institution banking side or family, you know, fund side or anything, but I think that speaks to the support that we're getting. And, and, you know, me being as transparent as I'm allowed to be, of course, I got to be super careful of all the regulations, material information and all that kind of stuff. But um, whenever I get an opportunity to put myself in front of shareholders, I will. And, and branding helps with that. And by the way, brands are more valuable than a commodity any day. Um, anyone can make a T-shirt, but can you make a T-shirt and put Supreme on it and sell it for 100 times what a regular T-shirt should be sold for? Um, you know, I used to collect Air Jordans and, and, you know, like I did that for a reason, the brand. Uh, I'm wearing a Canada Goose hat. I mean, like I like brands and I think red light one day down the road beyond mushrooms and mental health. Um, the brand recognition is super important and we'll always focus on that because because there's value there. Now, it's an interesting part about brand because brand can outlive you. It can be your legacy, so to speak, and it can represent a lot of things that you don't get to be anymore when you're not here anymore. And um, I, that was kind of my last question, or at least second last question, which is, you know, you mentioned legacy. You meant to mention what you're trying to build through this company. But how do you know when you've achieved it or at least even made progress uh, toward that goal? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, a company has got to be a profitable company. Um, so how do you make it? You, you, you have longevity, you run a real business with real profits, you know, while you're growing a company, I think the market expects that there'll be a bit of a burn while you focus on increased revenues. Um, I love the fact that this company has done that very well. Um, you know, looking at that burn rate, being very cautious with it, not overspending. And then ultimately we would like to, um, increase these revenues, continue brand growth, continue potential M&A opportunities to see what companies uh, could help 
uh, through accretion, that, that, that revenue growth, and of course, that brand growth as well. So we're doing what we'd like to think is a proper um, <laughs> path to success. And to me, the ultimate success would be in 20 years from now, for my seven-year-old boy, maybe even 14 years from now, to be working at the facility we're building in Peterborough on 100 acres there, um, that's going to be this you know massive 70,000 square foot exotic mushroom farm. If my son can learn the mushroom business, and also for him then and his friends to have a lot of education around psilocybin, and if they felt that it was right for them to use, they would make that choice responsibly. So this is really the long game for me. I've been super blessed. I like you know I say this once in a while. If I go on a long way, it cut me off any time. But you know I. It sounds so cocky, dude. It sounds so cocky. I lived a life of privilege, man, even just being a D-list radio show host. I got to fly private jets. I got to go to two Super Bowls by Budweiser that I was like the MC at. I got to, you know, hang out at club services, you know, or clubs and, you know, the, what are they called? The, the, yeah, yeah. Model service. Yeah, I get the picture. I, I did all that stuff. So, like, what can I do now that, like, this isn't about fun and access and living the life of a CEO. This is about growing a massive company to give back to people. And and uh, it sounds terrible to say, but I'm going to die trying. Like, like I'm just, we're just going at this carefully, but, you know, sort of aggressively now. And we're looking forward to growing a company and and um, making our best shot at success for everybody and create shareholder value. No, that's good. And the fact that you're not at bottle service or the Budweiser Super Bowl parties <laughs> is a good sign for investors. Um just want to ask one last thing here then red light radio it's, it's it's if you're watching this we also have people listen to it but if you're watching it uh todd is sitting in front of the red light radio uh fake stage <laughs> the zoom <Yes>. stage <laughs> uh but what is that like how are you empowering uh or leveraging media and that media expertise to help spread your word i assume this is yeah. one of your your big flagships yeah a, a great question i mean i'm going to be as candid as possible <sighs> I always care for what I say because I always want to say so much in the radio days. That's what I did. I didn't think before I spoke. But um, when when we took the company public, there was a lot of pressure. It was a very new pressure for me that I ever faced in my life. And, you know, you have an opportunity. Your stock goes up. Your stock comes down. You're judged on daily performance based on a stock price. And often a lot of people aren't looking at what you're building behind the scenes. And and truthfully, I lost a lot of confidence getting in, in front of the camera or, or in front of a microphone. Over time... I've recognized that it's silly for me to judge myself on a stock price. It's silly for me to not try to get a message out, which is something I do very well. And our board of directors encouraged me and, and picked me up and said, Todd, like you're the face to this company. You, you, we know what you're doing. We know your intentions. So get out there. And by the way, save hundreds of thousands of dollars on, you know, hiring a promotional company or a PR agency, like leverage your own media, leverage your own connections, leverage your social media following, which isn't, massive like a Wiz Khalifa, who, by the way, we you know signed on a licensing agreement, but it is big enough to get the message out there. And I'm really looking forward to getting um, podcasts going and some video interviews going with people from the science and R&D field, with you know individuals who just like to use magic mushrooms, with um, hopefully getting to some spiritual leaders or some really you know cool old school mushroom farmers. Um, we're really looking forward to get the messaging, everything mushroom out there. And we're going to do that with me being a host and some of our team hosting some shows as well. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to tuning in and I hope to have you back on very soon, Todd, to follow up on uh, Red, Red Light Holland, T-R-I-P on the CSE. Uh, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, man. And by the way, like there's probably positions open at SiriusXM and you're way better than half their host. So you should be going doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Shh, quiet. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, thank you very much. Thanks, Todd. All the best. Okay, cheers. Cheers.
Thank you again for listening to the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast, a proud presentation from CNSX Markets, Inc., operator of the Canadian Securities Exchange. As a reminder, the viewpoints on this show do not reflect those of the exchange and are solely those of the guests and do not constitute investment advice. For more information about the exchange, its services, and listed companies, please visit www.thecsc.com. Until the next show, thank you for listening, and don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. Thank you so much.